0: For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
1: I believe my husband and I saw a hellhound. We live in rural northern Idaho and we both hunt. So we know everything about animals, even in pitch darkness. We don't have regular plumbing. We have to turn on an electric well every morning to fill it up. Our tank can last us three to four days, but we like it filled just in case. There are other tanks like that scattered in the woods, just waiting for someone to buy the land and build a home. We were taking a walk and it got dark, so we went back home. However, on our way home, we saw something, not human or animal, near one of the wells. It was hunched over like it was eating. We walked carefully closer, about 20 feet from this thing, trying to figure out what it is, Too large for a stray dog or wolf, and too small for a bear. But whatever it was, it looked at us with red eyes. I've never been more scared in my life. My husband is scared of nothing, and he was scared too. We took off running. My God, we never ran so fast in our lives. It did chase for a while, then it just disappeared. We got to our house, and it was just gone. We knew it was behind us when we left the woods, but we couldn't see it. We locked all the windows and doors that night. We talked to one of the town locals about the thing we saw. He showed us a picture of a hellhound. He told us stories about people meeting the hellhound in the same area, always near a well, roads, crossroads, or places of death. Seeing him once will bring us happiness. Seeing him twice will bring us sorrow. And seeing him three times will bring us an end. I don't know what we saw, but Hellhound is the only explanation. My family used to go huckleberry picking up in the mountains in the late 80s, early 90s. My family was up a mountain in Washington, along with some extended family members picking away when they heard screaming out in the woods. Now, my father has always, always been a hunter and has lived through and seen a lot, including facing death more than once. Well, he decided to go check it out and told the family to stay put. He grabs his 36 and goes towards the, the screaming. After an hour or so, he walks back to the picking area, face completely white from what my sibling said. We're Asian, hard-working kind, so white is not a color for us to easy. Produce on our skin because we're slightly tan. The only thing my father says is to pack up. We're leaving. That was it. No one said anything. Everyone packed up and left. My father never mentioned what he saw or talked about it, and he and my family never went back there. We stopped picking completely. What I find scary is he still went out hunting deep in the woods, but never ever to that area and never allowed my brothers to go there as well. My people are shamanistic or animistic people, so he definitely saw something, just not sure what and what could ever make him that afraid. I vividly recall the time when my fishing partner and I embarked on a hike towards a small lake near Linton Lake. Little did we know that this expedition would thrust us into an extraordinary encounter. So as we made our way through the wilderness, our attention was drawn to a peculiar sight ahead, an animal feasting in a meadow, initially mistaken for a bear. Fueled by curiosity, we cautiously approached, our hearts pounding in anticipation. To our utter astonishment, the creature rose to its feet, turning to face us, revealing its immense stature, a towering seven-foot-tall Bigfoot, stunned and frozen in place. We stood at a distance of approximately one hundred feet, locked in an intense gaze with this enigmatic being. Our minds raced, grappling with the uncertainty of the situation. We were at a loss for what to do next, caught in a surreal moment that defied explanation. Amidst the tension, a surge of panic coursed through my companion, prompting him to fumble in his jacket, reaching for the twenty-two caliber firearm he carried. Sensing the gravity of the situation, I intervened, my voice laced with urgency. Are you nuts? Don't even think about it. The gravity of the potential consequences hit us both, dissuading any thought of provoking this formidable creature. In response to the mounting tension, the Bigfoot effortlessly reached down, hoisting a deer carcass onto its massive shoulder. Without uttering a sound, it disappeared into the depths of the surrounding woods, leaving us in awe of its raw power and agility. Overwhelmed by the encounter, Fear gripped our hearts, propelling us to pivot on our heels and flee in the opposite direction. Our hurried footsteps echoed through the silent wilderness as we retraced our path, desperate to reach the sanctuary of our truck, yearning for the safety. I grew up deep in the mountains west of Asheville, North Carolina. Me and my friend liked to meet up and rough it overnight in the woods, despite being really young, like 11 years old to early teens. Both our parents were mountain people types. I always carried my twenty-two caliber when we did this, mostly to kill any pheasants, rabbits, or other small game to bring home. Anyways, too, the story, uh, we had this place we called Grapevine Holler that we preferred to camp at and had even set up some permanent camping structures, including an elevated wooden platform about twenty f off the ground in the tree as we were sleeping on that night. John wakes me with a few soft nudges and I start to roll around and he's got his finger over his lips and points out in the woods where I see this dim floating light moving slowly perpendicular to us. My twenty-two caliber is hanging from a branch overhead and I get it down. But as I'm doing it, I, of course, make noise. I go prone quick and watch as the light stops moving for a moment before it starts moving towards us. As it gets closer, I can see that it's a man holding up an old gas lantern. Dude looks like he's straight out to Daniel Boone reenactments and has a double barrel hanging from his shoulder. At this point, he's literally right under us, and I'm not breathing as he kicks around through some of our junk we have laying around. He stares at the tree that we use to climb up to the canopy and walks under us where we can't see him. Seems like for five minutes he was right under us as we could see the lantern light and I still feel like I haven't breathed at this point. The lantern goes out and he starts walking away back the way he came briskly, Mean or John moved or made a noise till morning. Whoever the hell he was, we both know. To this day, he knew we were in that tree. There were way to many climb marks on it from years of use for even someone with no tracking experience to notice. This was a kind of place where everyone knew everyone, and I never saw that man again. I was seven years old when one day I was walking towards the couch. I decided to look up my steps as I walked by. I saw standing on the top of my steps a tall shadow figure. All I can see is an outline of its hat, which looked like a short top hat that Undertaker uses. Didn't watch wrestling at that time. I could even notice a long trench coat. I stared at him for a couple of seconds and he was gone. Then out of nowhere he stretched his leg towards the other room. I went to check. I don't know why I wasn't scared at the time. Entered the room where the shadow person went in and nothing. I remember when I walked down my steps, I noticed another shadow figured on my wall located by the steps. I went back to my room, grabbed a metal hanger, and went back to the shadow-figured. It kinda looked like a mix of a pigeon and bat, but it was black, almost looked like the alien symbiote that turned Spider-Man into venom. So I decided to poke it with the metal hanger. As soon as I touched it, it dissipated like as if Thanos snapped his fingers. This will always be in the back of my mind. Maybe it was a dream. Or maybe I'm wishing it was, Deep down my soul, I know what I saw was real. Well, in the middle of the Atlantic, my ship in 1999 was followed by a ball of light. I was on the Snoopy team and rushed out to see this ball of light that at first we thought was the rare ball lightning. But this thing followed the ship for about eight nautical miles. It then flew up supersonic, not breaking the sound barrier. We lost sight of it till it just appeared on the port side and came across the flight deck. The captain was about to call General Quarters, but it was almost like it sensed that we were getting nervous and it left, shortly after we picked up some chatter from a Portuguese fishing ship that said a large firefly was bothering them. That was it on that occasion. We have always seen things flying above us, but they were not close enough to have any credible witness. We're treasure, divers from Key West, and we were out fishing late night or early morning. Everyone that has spent time on the water knows the witching hour on the sea is about 2 a.m. to 5.30 it was about 5 a.m., and with the sun coming up and the water getting clear, we could see our chumming was bringing some interesting critters to the surface. Some big sharks cruised by and different things, too, but suddenly one of the guys screamed out, Look at the size of this ray on the port side. At the same time, another guy said, Wait, I can see him on starboard side, too, and he is wider than the boat. He was, too, over eighteen twenty feet wide, and he lazily cruised under us and circled back again and again. The sea has many secrets, and she hasn't given up many of them, despite what people and scientists claim. We know more about the moon than we do the deepest oceans and our seas. Recently, a friend told me she met people in the southwest that claim extra. Terrestrials live in the deep ocean and have been there for a long time. They claim they're safe there because humans can't live and survive in the deepest ocean. My friend's brother works as firefighter in Korea, but he used to work as diving instructor. Near end of his college years, one of the jobs he took was diver, as in someone who dives to retrieve the bodies of drowned people. While he didn't get a lot of cases, I remember him telling me this one story about his experience. On this particular day, he was diving in a river after it flooded due to typhoon. They had report of a drowned person, and they were searching for the body. After an hour of searching, his colleague informed that he found a body, and few divers went to retrieve it. The water was murky, but you could still make out figures in the water. When the divers were close to retrieving the body, the search party leader told everyone to surface. Back on the ship, he explained that this body shouldn't be touched because unlike normal bodies that float on water, this one was standing in middle of water. Apparently, in Asian cultures, grim reapers can't cross over water, so people who drown must replace their spot with another person in order to pass on to after life and the standing corpses are the ones that are looking for people to replace their spot also these spots with standing corpses are more likely to have underwater whirlpools or currents that can trap people easily they marked the spot and checked it every day and retrieved the body after three days when it floated on top of the water When I was in my early teens, I visited my dad in Pennsylvania. He had just gotten remarried and had another child, my baby sister. Anyway, I fell asleep at my new grandmother's house downstairs. This is a three-story house with a basement and an attic, five floors. And I had no clue where anyone else was. I woke up downstairs on the couch around midnight in utter terror and could not explain why. I felt as if something in the shadows was watching me, and I needed to get away. I ran upstairs and got into bed with my dad, who never woke up. Moments pass, and I feel something on my legs. I wanted to look, but couldn't look. I must have been paralyzed. It seems like hours passed as I slowly somehow began to work my head to the side and saw one of them peeking over my father with its hands over his mouth. I received a telepathic message of some kind that he shouldn't be smoking and that something bad might happen to him because of it. I don't know if it was a threat, and these are childhood memories, so it's very difficult to specifically put into words. If I had to describe these little creatures, they would be like salacious crumb from Star Wars. Very goblin-like, very skinny with big ears. There was a bigger one standing at the foot of the bed. I was fighting this paralysis the entire time, and I think it's this ability to fight their paralysis that made them interested in me in the first place. Anyway, I see the big one who seems to have an oval-shaped flat and purple-like head with a dark cape. The body never moves, but the head can swivel 360 deg like an owl or something. At first, the being was extremely interested in the books on the shelf, paperbacks and hardbacks. Novels. For whatever reason, it was checking all these books up. They were two identical ones, one bigger than the other, though. Marching in place in the corner of the room, they were glowing white and looked to be very furry or luminous. Big, bushy, circular bodies with spindly, skinny appendages. A big one and a little one, both glowing, both marching in place in the corner of the room, not looking at anyone. This seems to go on forever. At some point they migrated to the next room, where my little sister was sleeping in her crib. At that point I felt strength. I felt anger. That's what it was. You're not going to touch my sister. And I shut off the paralysis and jumped out of bed. As soon as I did that, the two beings marching in the corner went down to the floor, and the light began to change in the room. I saw them march downward through the floor, and then I ran into the next room. The rest looked at me and floated quickly toward the stairwell as the light from 8 a.m. in the morning brightly lit the entire house and they went down the staircase and turned into indistinguishable vapor in the morning light.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
1: Believe me when I say I was in pitch black for an endless, timeless state, and then it was immediately eight hours afterward. That was my first experience. It gets weirder. So after that, I went back home to Mississippi with my mom and began having nightly experiences for the next eight or nine years. I'm not going to go into those details because they were terrifying and I don't want to think about them. But eventually I felt that the danger must be coming from the window in my room. I didn't like my room anymore. And I had witnessed too many weird things around my window late at night, so I rearranged my room and blocked up the window by putting my bed right beside it. You'd think that this wouldn't be the right move, but it made me feel safe for whatever reason. The night I did this is the one I will never ever forget for as long as I live, and I get chills just thinking about it. I woke to the back door being kicked open, and immediately I knew that our house was being robbed. I tried to stay as still as possible in my bed with my eyes just barely cracks of lashes to be able to see what was going on, but still pretend that I was sleeping. I hear a commotion in the hallway outside my room. Thinking about it now, it could not have been adult people. These were either a whole bunch of small creatures or not actually physical disturbances. It was a commotion, a torrent of motion through the hallway, and then my bedroom door slowly crept open. Standing in the doorway was a bright ball of light. When I was a child, I figured it must be a flashlight, but my memory does not agree with that. As an adult, it doesn't make sense to me. It was simply a ball of light, and it moved on. I heard commotion throughout the house, I heard a struggle, I heard fighting and my family being in pain. I was too afraid to move. I wasn't exactly paralyzed, I felt like they were maybe testing me. Finally, I hear my mother calling my name and pain dragging herself across the carpet. I will never forget this for the rest of my life. I was too afraid to move to help my mother. But strangely, the sound of her pulling herself across the carpet never advanced. It stayed right outside my door. I felt like they wanted to lure me somehow, and I didn't understand intellectually. But instinctively, I knew I should stay put. This dragging noise went on for a timeless state yet again. Then, like a switch of up-light bulb, it was morning, and I hadn't even closed my eyes. So I ran to the phone and dialed 9 one but hung up immediately. My brother was asleep in his room. My mom was asleep in the room. I woke her up and asked her what happened last night. She said your brother had an asthma attack and we left you here at home alone at midnight. So I got all into energy work and kundalini yoga and became a Reiki master and attempted to understand what this spiritual energy was that I have that allows me to fight their paralysis when I become angry and impassioned at them. This spiritual force that fights them was my main goal in life at that point. I needed them to stop, and it worked, for a long time. I have many more stories about this intermediate period where I kept them at bay from terrorizing me, but began to have truly interesting and enlightening experiences with the UFO phenomena. It led me to believe that there may be some good ones and some bad ones. Either that, or they don't all come from outer space. So maybe goblins coming from an extra-dimensional realm beneath us. No idea, really. I'm just relating what happened. The story goes on, even up until the present day. Would you believe me if I said I have trouble keeping ordinary jobs? I have a difficult time relating to normal people. I'm always far out and crazy, and nobody understands. I wonder why. Is it possible that I may be one of them? This incident happened to my grandparents. I'm from Puerto Rico, and my grandparents are fully Puerto Rican, anyway to the story. It was the mid-1960s. My grandma was about 25 and my grandpa was about 20. My grandpa returned from the war in Vietnam and my grandparents moved to a small town on the outskirts of Maricao, Puerto Rico, another small town but slightly bigger. It was a warm night. I'm not sure what time it was because they don't remember, but they know it was about midnight. They saw a light on top of a mountain. Let me explain Maricao. It is a very mountainous region. People that are not familiar with Puerto Rico don't know that Puerto Rico is a really mountainous region. The light was on top of a mountain, but my grandpa thought it was a fisherman because fishermen usually fish at night in the region. The thing is, there was no source of water near the mountain. So my grandfather found it weird. Anyway, he kept staring at the light. The light was starting to approach them. It arrived in their front yard about 10 yards in front of them, and it stayed there as if the thing was watching them. My grandpa is literally scared of nothing. He's encountered ghosts and the paranormal before, and never even had a drop of fear in all of the experiences. He saw a figure in the craft. The craft was about the size of a medium-sized CV, except it was the shape of an oval. My brave grandpa got a flashlight and seriously walked toward the craft. He turned on the flashlight. The craft left quickly. It looked like disappeared, except when he looked at the sky, he could see the craft exiting the Earth's atmosphere. After that, he never experienced the UFO sighting, even though he had a lot of paranormal experiences afterward. He believed that the other experiences were somehow related to his encounter with the UFO, So yesterday I was in the Colosseum in Italy. I was on a flyby visit to Rome, as I wanted a few days to have a break. I didn't book a ticket in advance and managed to get an entrance ticket without a tour. So I was walking around by myself with the usual number of tourists running around, taking photos and chatting away. Anyway, I was pretty excited, as I've always wanted to see Rome. I was walking up the stairs to the first floor of the Coliseum when I suddenly felt, strange, like I was flooded with fear. It was like I was sensing the fear of something else. I knew that the thing I sensed was not only afraid, but knew when it was about to die. It could smell blood and death as it was being let out. The feeling of fear was also tinged with confusion. As I walked up the stairs, the feeling got stronger. I then felt that it was trying to say, that's its bones were still here. I knew it wasn't human. Now, I don't usually feel things like this. I've never felt like I am psychic or anything like that. I'm quite pragmatic, and though I've had weird things happen, it's never been a feeling like this exactly. I also know that the first floor was for spectators, not for anything or anyone who was about to die so my feeling did not make any logical sense. I was willing to dismiss what I was feeling, and though maybe I'd had too much sun, I got to the top of the stairs and walked around. The first exhibition I see were the bones of animals that had been discovered after having been killed in the Colosseum. The feeling got stronger and then just disappeared. I didn't feel anything like that for the rest of my visit. Now I'm home, and I can't help but reflect back on those moments. Was it a frightened animal who had died a painful and confusing death, stuck there for millennia and randomly choosing to reach out? Or did I just lose my mind for a moment? I honestly can't shake the feeling, and it's left me unsettled. Has anyone else had a similar experience there or elsewhere? On another note, always book month in advance for a tour to the Coliseum. You can get much better tours than what I got by just turning up. It was a sunny summer afternoon when my friends and I decided to go fishing on the Saskatchewan River in the beautiful province of Saskatchewan, Canada. Little did we know that our outing would turn into an unforgettable encounter with the Sasquatch. As we set up our fishing gear and cast our lines into the calm waters, laughter and excitement filled the air. We joked and shared stories, unaware of the extraordinary event that was about to unfold. It started innocently enough with strange rustling noises coming from the dense forest surrounding us. At first, we dismissed it as the wind playing tricks on our ears or perhaps an animal lurking nearby but as the rustling persisted and grew louder, we couldn't help but feel a sense of unease creeping into our hearts. Suddenly, a towering figure emerged from the trees, capturing our attention like nothing else before. At first glance, we thought it must be some kind of prank. Maybe one of our friends was playing a joke on us, dressed up in a costume to scare us. But as we looked closer, our jaws dropped in disbelief. Before us stood an actual Sasquatch, or Bigfoot, as some call it. Its massive frame towered over us, covered in shaggy brown hair. Its muscular arms hung down by its sides, and its eyes seemed to hold a mysterious wisdom. We were dumbfounded, frozen in both awe and fear. It was as if time stood still, and all we could do was stare at this creature of legend. The Sasquatch seemed curious about us as well. It observed us with a mixture of caution and intrigue. We could see its intelligent eyes scanning our group, assessing whether we posed a threat. It seemed almost human, like yet undeniably otherworldly. As the initial shock wore off, a wave of excitement and fascination swept over us. We fumbled for our cameras, eager to capture this extraordinary moment on film. But as we fumbled with our devices, the Sasquatch, sensing our intentions, vanished back into the depths of the forest, leaving us in a state of disbelief. We spent the rest of the day recounting the encounter over and over, dissecting every detail and questioning our own sanity. Had we truly come face to face with a legendary creature, our fishing trip had transformed into a surreal adventure forever etched in our memories. News of our encounter spread like wildfire, sparking both skepticism and intrigue among the locals. Some dismissed our story as a wild fabrication, while others were filled with curiosity and wonder. Regardless of the skepticism, our group knew the truth. We had experienced something truly extraordinary on that fateful day along the Saskatchewan River. From that moment on, our lives were forever changed. We became avid researchers of the unexplained delving into the mysteries of the Sasquatch phenomenon. Our encounter with the legendary creature became the catalyst for a lifelong pursuit of truth and exploration. To this day we hold on to that memory, cherishing the shared bond we have as witnesses to the enigmatic presence of the Sasquatch. Our fishing trip turned into an extraordinary adventure. ...connecting us with a world beyond our own, where legends come to life. And though skeptics may scoff, we know in our hearts that we were privileged to have a glimpse... ...into the elusive world of the Sasquatch on that fateful day along the Saskatchewan River. Back in college when I was 19, I went to an art opening on campus... I'd never been in this particular building before. I was just inside the front door in the main lobby. In front of me was the entrance to the gallery space and to my left is a short hallway that led to the men's and women's bathrooms. The lobby was full of people chatting when someone got everyone's attention to talk about the exhibit. Since I was near the entrance, I was in the back of the crowd while everyone has turned to listen. While the speaker was talking, I saw someone come from the hallway, presumably from the bathroom. It was a man, and I was struck by how much he looks like me, except fifteen, twenty years older. He was not listening to the speaker, but stood at the entrance to the hallway and was looking directly at me with giddy grin on his face. He stared for a few seconds, then quickly went back down the hallway toward the bathroom. I was perplexed and kept watching for him to come back out. When the speaker ended, everyone went into the main gallery space except me. I went to the bathroom to get another look at this person. The bathroom was empty, and there wasn't another door besides the women's room. I've thought about this event a lot since it happened, and always wondered if I'd time travel someday, but now I'm probably older than the person I saw. My memory of what he looked like is degraded as I've thought about this experience, so I can't say if I now look like the man I saw then. Who was this person? Why did they look at me? Where did they go? Growing up, I always felt like my childhood home was haunted. This wasn't just because it was filled with antiques or because our front yard was surrounded by a rusty iron cemetery fence, but I constantly felt watched and had some poltergeist activity as well as sounds that shouldn't be, and even some apparitions. One such apparition happened after I dropped off a friend one night. Like me, she also believed in the paranormal and had had experiences, She was interested in coming to my house to see if she was able to experience anything. She began talking out loud, supposedly recounting what the spirits were telling her. She said she could see a man walking up the stairs up to the kitchen. And as she said it, the stairs creaked like someone was actually walking on them. A few minutes later, she said he was coming back down. And the creaking happened again. Eventually, we got bored and I took her home. I hadn't actually seen anything at that point, only heard the stairs creaking. As I pulled back in my driveway after dropping her off, I had a clear view of the kitchen window. I saw a figure standing in the window and thought nothing of it, since my mom could often be seen in that window doing the dishes. I just figured my parents had come home, and she was getting started on them. However. Right as I stepped out of my car, it occurred to me that my parents' cars weren't in the driveway. I was the only one at the house. I quickly jumped back in my car and called my parents. They had a good laugh, thinking, like usual, I was just being weird. But I was absolutely terrified. I'm not sure if it was that man my friend said was going up and down the stairs or something else. But it's the only time I ever saw a figure in that window.